Trash Pits. Well, it's Thursday, and you're listening to Days of the New, the most popular new metal podcast in Belarus. Yes, what up to our listener in Belarus? Nick, how are you, man? I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty good. I uh, got some exciting news. I think uh, very possibly the next episode that uh, our audience hears, I will be living on the other side of the country. Uh, I will be moving to Las Vegas. Holy hell, dude. Congratulations. Thank you. We will be a bi-coastal podcast. Fuck yeah. So I, I need to show you this. I ran my first half marathon yesterday. Yeah, I saw the pictures, dude. I'm proud of you. That's amazing. Dude, thank you. This particular one is the Craft Half 5K and Half Marathon. And uh, it was sponsored by Foothill Brewing. I got this cool little medal, which is also a bottle opener. Because after you run a half marathon, you should drink at 1030 in the morning, which I did. Well, I mean, you need you need electrolytes. Yeah. Yeah, so we're joined with a special guest today, author Matt Carp, coming to us from across the pond. Uh, Matt is the author of a book titled New Metal, A Definitive Guide. Matt, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's uh, nice to be here and uh, talking to you guys, and let's have some fun. All right, so what uh, what inspired you to write a book about new metal in uh, the worst year of our lives, 2020? <laughs> Well, the uh, the the basis of the book was actually written in 2017. So I've been a new metal kid. New metal was what I grew up on. Corns uh, Follow the Leader was the first heavy metal album I ever heard. Still my favorite album of all time. Um, so yeah, back in 2017, I actually wrote a book called New Metal Resurgence, and that was self-published. And luckily, just before Christmas, I was uh, I was lucky enough to get a publishing deal. Um, and the, the plan was to, the the resurgence was actually, I did two versions of that. So the first version, I kind of rushed out, probably a bit too eager. The second version was more detailed, revised, better sort of layout and everything. And after two years, I thought about doing a third version. And that's what this one came to be, New Metal Definitive Guide. So it does contain uh, everything from resurgence, but it also is uh, is more updated. It has more interviews. Um, and I'll go further into the newer bands that are, that are bringing the new metal sound back now. I mean, my first question was, what made you decide to squander your God-given talent? But I think that sums it up <laughs> quite nicely. So when Nick told me that you were from uh, England, I was kind of like, okay, but I've always thought of, and I've always contextualized new metal as a American export. And I know why it resonated here, because it's big and it's dumb, and it's loud, and it's angry, and that's pretty much what white America as a whole is. <laughs> yeah. I guess my my first question is like, how did that hit over there, and how did that resonate over in Europe as a whole? Well, at the time, we only really had Kerrang! Uh, in terms of a music channel. We had the, be the back end of uh, MTV2, which was another rock channel for the music videos. And yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, Corns Follow the Leader was the first album I heard. That was about 2000. So I missed the first couple of years, but by the time I was going around friends and watching Kerrang TV, the likes of Corn and Slipknot was all over at Limp Biscuit, of course. Um, so we only really got the what I call the the premier bands, which are those who I just mentioned, and then we got some of the the second wave or the second tier bands, uh, especially sort of the, the likes of Roadrunner bands like Il Nino, Spine Shank, uh, Fear Factory was big, especially with Digimortal album. In terms of that. I just, because I grew up in it, I guess I just noticed it more and more. Uh, Kerrang! The magazine covered it every week. At that time, I didn't have a computer. So a weekly issue of Kerrang! was where I found out about the new bands. Um, and I'm actually kicking myself because it's probably only five years ago now. 
I got rid of every Kerrang issue I owned, <laughs> which was five years worth, and I would love to have gone back. Do you follow the Instagram account uh, at Mosher Mags? Yes, yeah. Well, the, the, uh, a separate page I run, the Newsine one, I do follow all the, the new metal, a lot of the fan pages and stuff like that. So, yeah, it just proves that new metal is so popular still, even today, um, even with the people that, you know, have grown out, I guess, you know, like me, I'm 35 now. Um, so those that have grown up and new metal's gone, but they're, they're still very fond of that era because it was such a, a magical time for music. With that Kerrang! reference you just made, I guess I'm really interested in your process for collecting interviews and stories and data because a lot of this stuff, as I'm sure you well know, is like buried in the archives of Web 1.0. And more largely, it's in print and promotional items, which have just been lost to time. And if there's anything like this podcast has shown me, it's that 80% of the job is basically being an archaeologist, except like instead of dinosaurs, you're looking for like fossilized meth heads from Bakersfield. So <laughs> yeah, what is your process? A lot of it is from memory, I guess, um, personal experiences and knowledge in terms of the bands from back then. I mean, just next to me here, I've got a, one, six shelves worth of all the you know, the original new metal CDs. So obviously you've got the booklets and in terms of the, the credits and the lyrics and stuff like that. Wikipedia is pretty good, but of course you have to err on a side of caution because not everything you read on Wikipedia is true. And then, yeah, a lot of it is digging. Again, there's a, quite a few uh, new metal dedicated websites out there with that sort of information on it. Um, and it depends, like I say, what, what band you're actually researching at the time. In terms of the, the book that's coming out, um, I've actually got two coming out this year. The, that, the first one is the primary basis of the book is an A to Z of the original bands. So, of course, anyone can Google a specific band. But again, there are certain bands like uh, No One, for example, or Anyone. There was two bands from back in that day. Those sort of bands are quite hard to find the information on. Um, so you do have to really scrape the barrel, really, to try and find any not necessarily exclusive pieces of information more just even like band lineups and the songs and you know and the, the basis of those but yeah i mean the internet is i think it's a lot broader than anybody realizes it is um and you can go deep down the rabbit hole and and find the tiniest pieces of information if you're if you're willing to put in the time i guess and and look as far down as you can to you know without giving up i guess <laughs> everyone knows it's e you know it's easy enough to get the information on corn and linkin park and limp biscuit but it's actually more enjoyable looking at the bands that, you know, the lesser bands really that perhaps were only around for one or two albums. And of course, uh, quite a few of those lesser known musicians are available through the likes of Facebook or Instagram. So sometimes it's worth just sending a message out. And if you get a response, you can go from there. So that's how a lot of the interviews came about for the book. Cool. Wow. So uh, as for the format of your book itself, when we started this show a year and a half ago, there just wasn't a lot of published work on new metal outside of like heads autobiography. So we have what we've referred to as the Bible. <laughs> yes, I've got yes, that yes. one. Yeah, Joe McIver, he's from uh, from my neck yeah, of the woods it, over here as yeah, well. Exactly. So yeah, it does seem like all all new metal literature comes from the UK. This is the King James version right here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, this book is basically an A to Z, right? That breaks down the bands in yeah. alphabetical order. How does your book differ from this? Well, that I'll kind of use that one as a basis because when I first did the Resurgence book, which was now four years ago, um, I did two versions of that. That I used that in terms of trying to promote my book, that that book you have there from Joel was 
the last new metal book. And of course, that was published right in the middle of the rise of it. Uh, I think it was 2002, that one. So there hasn't been a book on new metal in 15 years. There's bands in there for sure that he was saying, you know, perhaps their own, they're destined to, to peak on the next album and then maybe a week later they split up. <laughs> yeah, there were some reaches there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Insane Clown Posse is featured in this Earth book. Earth Crisis is featured yeah. in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a few, a little bit obscure bands that, yeah, you wouldn't even consider um, new metal. Um, so, yeah, obviously with mine, a lot of the bands are now split up in terms of the, the, the original bands. There are some still going. So my, my biographies of the bands goes right up to date, or this will be up until... January this year, which is when I handed the manuscript into my publisher. So yeah, this is as up to date as it can be. So I even talk about, you know, newer releases, for example, Head PE are just constantly turning out new material. So they've just announced a new EP to come out in a couple of months. I think that obviously hasn't made the book. So yeah, in terms of that, it is the as up to date as it can be. There are also a couple of essays in there in terms of chart success from back in the day because of the amount of number one singles, albums, platinum, gold certifications. An essay on their hip hop collaborations. Obviously, a lot of the rappers were joining forces. Ice Cube, for example, with Corn and vice versa. And fuck dying. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And then, like I said, I was doing. A, I've touched on a lot of the new bands coming through, which I used to run my own podcast with a friend, um, which we've sort of put to sleep for now. But we was trying to, you know, unearth new bands coming through who are getting pretty healthy audiences online. They just want we want to try and give them a bit of extra exposure if we can. So um, a lot of those are, seem to be very humbled to be included in the book when I I tagged them in an initial post launching the book. Um, so that's the that's the basic format of the book. All right. I, I, we talked actually for a second in our last episode. I made the reference to uh, the new wave of British heavy metal, which, as we know, were bands like Iron Maiden and Def Leppard, the Scorpions. Mm -hmm. It feels very much right now like we're in the new wave of British new metal. For sure. It seems like all the, the push of new new metal bands is, is coming from Europe. There a lot. Yeah. I mean, um holland off the top of my head i've got some good friends in a band called front street who are who are an, a, to me an amazing uh, rap metal band in fact the guitarist remy he's actually just co-written the new head pe oh, wow. ep wow. with jared um so the new song that came out uh last week that is co-written by remy so that's got his guitar stamp all over it and yeah france We've got a few good bands, uh, Cross Paths come to mind over here and Tides of Ire. Yeah, you're right. It does seem to be there's a lot of a um, lot more this time round than when, you know, the original era, the Brits and uh, Europeans are certainly giving the Americans a run for, for sure. their money. Yeah. yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah. War Wargasm is a personal favorite on this podcast. Yes, um, they've certainly got a good sound as well. Um, haven't heard too much of those, but I've got a big mix of newer music on my playlist and i've got a couple of tunes of theirs on yeah, there yeah they've only released a handful of singles up to this point they their debut album has not come out yet going back to that art and culture in england and and in europe as a whole when you move forward to 99 like when new metal is at its zenith i went ahead and like looked at the charts in england at that time for albums of the year of 99 like not one new metal album hit there you have Blur, Jamiroquai, Chemical Brothers, uh, Suede, they're doing massive numbers. You, you've only said awesome bands so far, by the way. I know, no, hey, dude, <laughs> I'm not mad about it. Like, I fucks with Jamiroquai hard. Right. You know, here it was headlining Woodstock 99. It was all over TRL. It was like 
platinum success. Yeah, I mean, people people would be fans of Britney Spears and Limp Bizkit here. It was, I mean, they were very much top 40 mainstream success. Like when you are experiencing this as it's happening, like what is that scene like over there at that time? Well, you mentioned 99. Um, I think 2000 would have been a would have been the year for you to check out because that seems to be when Linkin Park and Papa Roach and that, that was the wave that really sort of kicked off over here. I still remember, I mean, we had a, a store, I think it, it may be a international, obviously I was too young then, but a Woolworths. Oh, right. That was the name of the store which sold, you know, toys, sweets, clothes, music. But I was able to get, I mean, I live in a fairly small town, so I would have had to trek a bit away to, to a local, to a nearby city to actually, you know, go to proper record shops but because of Woolworths and because of new metal I was able to pick up the newest Limp Bizkit albums the Stained albums the Linkin Parks and Deftones so yeah I mean and again like I said I picked up on Korn's Follow the Leader I think it would have been the back end of 2000 so obviously I missed that sort of 99 era there from my memory um, before I got into the heavier music I was into bands like the Manic Street Preachers and and Blur and uh, Oasis and stuff. Obviously, yes, Britpop was still kind of ruling the roost in that sense, as well as pop music. Mm. But it was 2000 and 2001 especially where I'd noticed, as I had more of a keen interest, that was when our new metal bands were starting to take over. I mean, I still remember being amazed that Stain's Break the Cycle got to number one over here. I, mean, I never would have thought that album. Yes, the outside video with Fred Durst shot live, that was on the TV channels constantly. But I still never thought it would have had that amount of pull to bring Stain to number one. Limp Biscuit wasn't a surprise. Corn's never had a number one over here. We, I think the closest they got was uh, Issues, I think. at number. F- no, I think it was Follow the Leader at number mm-hmm. four. That was the closest they ever got. But Linkin Park was up there. Papa Roach was up there. Deftones, I think they uh, they was in the top ten. So it was more of just like a quick delay, like a like a signal delay from like ninety nine, and then it ripples, and two thousand is when it's there. Yeah, it was it was what I consider the second wave. Uh, when Linkin Park hit, that's when everything else seemed to take off. Okay, cool, cool. No, that's uh, it's ve- it's always very cool to hear what other people are were experiencing in that time in other parts of the world mm. musically. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, it was it was a great time, and I still remember a lot of it. I mean, I never had Sky TV either, which Kerrang TV was on. So uh, my best friend, who actually lent me, basically the same day, he lent me Corns Follow the Leader and Slipknot's first album. That's a game changer. That's yeah. a game changer right there. That's a punch in the face. Yeah, we had to wear blazers, so I had the CDs in either of my pockets, <laughs> and I remember just pulling them out time after time all day thinking what have I got in my hands? I'm not used to, you know, the heaviest music I'd probably heard of at that time was Guns N' Roses' Appetite yeah. of Destruction. Yep, right. Nailed it. I mean, I think that that's sort of what, I mean, our generation got hit with new metal because like now I look back on, on it and some of it does feel a little bit cheesy, but it's not as cheesy as Def Leppard was or as Axl Rose mm. and Slash with his top hat. And like it, none of that stuff, when I look, listen back, sounds heavy. None of that captures like the rage that I felt as a 13-year-old young man about to go through puberty and being mad at my parents and hating school and you know like then new metal came and uh it came hard and it is completely <laughs> yeah. different that's it yeah so all, all day i just spent looking at these two cds trying to decide which one i was going to listen to first and maybe i was a little bit scared of slipknot looking at the image on the front cover of all nine of them with their masks and stuff but we went with follow the leader first and uh yeah it was, i was drawn within 30 seconds of 
it's on and that, oh, was, God, that was yeah the rest yeah. is history as they say <laughs> amazing amazing record well father the leader was such a is such a moment for them because you know the first two records were just raw like i got into corn after i i got into their first album right after life is peachy came out so i was a little bit late and then father the leader came out before i even had an opportunity to like really digest life is peachy but i remember i was a uh, on the way to a guitar lesson and got the life came on the radio and i was like what what is this it had that disco beat and i was like i think this is corn and i literally walked into my guitar lesson and i was like i need you to teach me corn and he hands me like <laughs> my music book that has like uh, an elvis song in it you know and like i'm like i need to learn how to read tabs and he's like i'm not gonna teach you that and i was like i quit <laughs> <laughs> then i learned what drop d was and i never had a guitar lesson again <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the uh, corner still probably one of my go-to bands and i can actually i can actually reveal now because the book is finished but that is going to be the second book to come out this year it's uh it's all about corn um the publisher i'm with sonic bond they have a series of books uh called on track where the author basically just chooses a band and he writes about every song of every album so uh, that's going to be the second book this year delving all the way back to nader mayer's mind um, and all the B-sides and then release as well. So that one's done. So, oh, wow. And that's that's kind of, uh, that feels pretty cool. Cause obviously, I've come in full circle. Corn were the first heavy band, and now I'm able to, to write a book about them as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, which will hopefully come out before Christmas too. That's fantastic. So as you kind of like unearth this whole genre and this whole time period, and also like this part of your youth was there anything in particular that dawned on you or anything new that you discovered in kind of going back uh you know through through the annals of new metal the probably the most fulfilling and interesting parts was the interviews um obviously speaking to musicians who witnessed it all firsthand so it was it was more interesting to hear how they saw it from the inside i guess um so in the in the book there's members of spineshank coal chamber kitty um, stained slaves on dope and, and it's interesting to hear that a lot of those bands didn't consider themselves new metal um which and i've had this argument with various people you know a lot of people talk about new metal as a genre of music i consider it more of a movement because obviously it's impossible to to put limp biscuit and slipknot for example in the same category i call it it's more to do with the timing of when every band all those bands came out and a lot of those bands like spine shank for example didn't consider themselves um new metal uh sean glass from soil he considered soil a heavy rock band um so yeah hearing their first-hand experiences especially as well the guys from los angeles because obviously that was where it basically rose from you know all the clubs down the sunset strip they you know Obviously, the uh, in the eighties, all the hair metal was down the rock, the the Roxy and the Whiskey, Cold Chamber and Snot and Incubus and System of a Down. They were selling out all these places before they got signed. So, and again, I think Mike Sarkisian from Spineshank said that new metal originally was called LA metal, and it was only when Limp Bizkit came out from Jacksonville and Slipknot came out from Iowa that's when they said, well, you know, we can't call it LA metal anymore because it's it's broadening, you know, across the, the whole scope. So. That's where new metal was born. So yeah, those stories are good, and and the Ozfest stories are just legendary. <laughs> um, pretty much most of the bands I spoke to played Ozfest at one stage or another, and nearly all of them, their fondest memories were partying with Pantera. It's uh, every <laughs> you didn't even have to mention Pantera; they they did it for themselves. It was uh, it was pretty crazy. Brendan Boyd is still pissing Jägermeister to this day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Okay. So you mentioned corn is was one of your favorites and, and remains one of your favorites. What is uh, what's probably your favorite like you know third or fourth tier like lesser known new metal band, and then to back that up. Are there any later releases that you would recommend to our listeners from any of these bands that they may be slept on? Because I think most of our audience is kind of similar to me and Kevin, that around like 2002, like we were out and we were listening to hardcore and like emo and stuff. So like, is there anything that came out like post 2003 that you would really recommend? I'm going to have to look through my collection as well now. I mean, yeah, a lot, I said about obviously, um, there's only really the main bands and then that next level that was sort of portrayed over here especially so a lot of the time i was finding that when i was going to the nearest city to the record shops i would tend to perhaps pick up a couple of cds just by how the cover looked oh, yeah. um or the yeah. band name oh, yeah. um, um and i still think one of the the best best decisions i ever made was buying floors through the eyes um i know obviously the band themselves are a bit of a train wreck i've heard your episode on uh, your your news about Chris Voles as well. Um, but that album was just incredible. When he was on song, he was an amazing vocalist and lyricist. The um, the music was absolutely brilliant. And there was, yeah, there was quite a few bands like that. That's how I came across them. And in the last sort of four or five years doing this, this new book and the Resurgence book, I've been able to go back and find other bands that I missed out on completely. Just off the top of my head, Simon Says, um, their album, Shut Your Breath. That was a really good album. All right, I'm totally unfamiliar, so that'll be a fun one to, to listen to. They did, uh, I think they did two albums, possibly a third. I haven't, I haven't even got um, my own proof copy of my book yet, so I can't even pop back in and just <laughs> check my own notes. But Shut Your Breath, which was their second album, that was um, a really good one. Pulse Ultra, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with those guys. That was the very first gig I ever went to. They supported Taproot on the Welcome Tour. Um, so Pulse Ultra's Headspace. Again, that was ahead of the curve. That was slightly progressive. Um, the time signatures and the, the the song structures were completely different to anything coming out at the time. So that was another one that was I was I'm, I'm still very fond of. And another band that I'm really big on still now. Unfortunately, they're no longer together from Australia. Sunk Loto. Um, they come out with a killer brand of sort of rap metal, alt metal. Um, so. They did an EP. Their first EP was Society Anxiety. Um, a later album was Between Birth and Death. So they're worth checking out. And yeah, I mean, there was just so much, um, again, being put on the spot. <laughs> I did have one last question. So you've gone through the archives. You've uh, really uh, done your research. It's very well thought out. And you've interviewed a lot of these people. What was your big get for an interview? What was the one where you were like, holy shit, got it? Uh, well, for a start, I just in terms of at the time, in terms of resurgence, obviously it was self-published. So unless you've got a big publisher behind you, you're not going to be given the options of the big bands. So I sent a lot of in, um, messages out. Quite a few replied, quite a few didn't. The one which I thought, it's never going to happen, but we'll message him anyway was Ross Robinson. What? Yeah. There you go. Folks, that's worth uh, the price of the book right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I messaged him, didn't hear back. Um, and I think maybe three months later, I just got home from work and I heard my phone go just because it happened to be beside me. I just happened to look and it was Ross Robinson. Hey, uh, yeah, that sounds cool. Just finished in the studio for the day. I'll hit you up in an hour. And I had no pre-pro, pre-planning. Right, why would you? <laughs> so I think I spent, I said, right, forget food. 
Let's crack on with some questions. Um, and I think we end up speak talking for about three hours. Um, all about corn, Slipknot, vanilla ice, ah! working with vanilla ice. And yes, so that interview is probably still the the one, especially when the Resurgence book came out, a lot of people was like, you know, how did you get him? So that, that interview is, of course, also back in the, uh, in the new book as well. Amazing, amazing. Well, uh, Matt, where can we buy this book and where can we find you on the internet? Okay, uh, so yeah, the book is available for pre-order now. Um, in the UK, it drops at the end of July. Um, it's available on Amazon. Uh, any UK listeners will be familiar with WH Smith's, Waterstones, those sort of places. Um, and in America, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and even uh, yesterday, I found it on uh, available on Walmart. All right, great. Yeah, you can get everything at Walmart. It's a September release. I'm not quite sure the why there's the you know, the two uh, two month gap. Um, the, but the publisher obviously he's got that covered. But yeah, so I think it's the 24th of September. It's out in America and the rest of the world. Um, if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram, that's where I'm most active. Matt underscore K A R P E. That's my surname. And yeah, I also have a new metal zine, uh, the new zine, the underscore new underscore zine underscore official all right well i know that the next time i'm out at walmart buying uh bullets for my ar-15 and uh <laughs> cases of bush light i'm gonna throw a, a new metal book into my cart uh, i hope it's in the yeah obviously I'm, i haven't had confirmation whether it will be uh, available physically in the in the stores or whether it's just gonna be online but hopefully it is and uh, if it is let me know if it is not i will wave my ar-15 around the walmart, <laughs> uh, until we'll it fire is. sporadically in the air until i get to see the manager as is my god-given right <laughs> any publicity is welcome <laughs> All right, uh, you can find me on the internet, Nick underscore the underscore knife, Instagram, Twitter. You can find me at K-J-D-E-L-U-R-Y on Instagram. You cannot find me on Twitter because I am busy wildly waving my AR-15 around the Walmart until I get this book. Yep, support our friend Matt. Uh, you can find us at Days of the New, uh, Days of the New on Instagram and on Twitter. And for real, follow us on Twitter. We have like 38 followers. I don't. I, that's almost as many listeners as we have in Belarus, and they're literally under the boot of a dictatorship. Wow, that was that was grim. That was grim. Yeah. Thanks for coming, Matt. Bye. <laughs> Stop the alarm. Mosh pits.